Good morning and welcome to Sharper Iron. Spend the next hour with us studying the living and active Word of God, His two-edged sword of law and gospel, recorded for you in Holy Scripture, all about Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and ascended for you. Thanks for tuning in this morning here on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. I'm your host, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. Sharper Iron is underwritten by the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information. On this Monday, April 20th, we're studying Romans chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. The wrath of God has been revealed against the unrighteousness of men, St. Paul says. But that's not simply the unrighteousness of them. That's the unrighteousness of you, oh man. They are under, under God's righteous judgment, and you are under God's righteous judgment as well. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's Word today, we have with us regular guest, Pastor Gavin Mize. Pastor Mize serves at Augustana Evangelical Lutheran Church in Hickory, North Carolina. Pastor Mize, welcome back to Sharper Iron. Thank you very much, Pastor Apple. I'm always uh, elated to be here with you. I'm looking forward to digging into the second chapter of Romans. Fantastic. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We need some good news as we get into the second chapter of Romans. Paul continues his, his preaching of the law to us, so it's good to hear that Christ is risen. Pastor Mize, as, as we get started in today's text, we, we've got a bit of context in front of us, chapter 1. Uh, lay out what Paul's been doing for us here in the book of Romans as we start into chapter 2 this morning. Uh, and before we start into chapter 2, uh, we really hit hit the nail on the head of um, uh, those who who are made righteous um, live not by fulfilling the law, but by faith, and that the righteous live uh, by faith, uh, and that Christ is the one who uh, fulfilled the law. Um, and then, of course, but backing up before that, uh, we have St. Paul's introduction um, and his desire to to go to Rome, um, uh, to visit the churches in Rome, and um, yeah, and then right up to chapter two, like I said, the uh, righteous shall live by faith is is the is the famous um, scripture text there, um, and not being ashamed of the gospel, uh, right into from that right into God's wrath for the uh for the unrighteous and um and then we move into the second chapter which is sort of the opposite side of the coin uh God's righteous judgment and uh then we get into some theological and, and I suppose dip our toe into some uh philosophical uh thoughts as well about God's righteous judgment and uh, even God's righteous anger, and if if there is such a thing as righteous anger um, or or divine anger, uh, we can continue that discussion as we go. I know there was a paper written uh, not too long ago on on that very thing, God's righteous anger, uh, and if it's separate from God's righteous judgment. Um, and then I think we'll be able to un unpack that as we go along. I, I appreciate you bringing out, again, 
Paul's thesis statement in verses 16 and 17, particularly the matter of the righteousness of God, comes through faith. It doesn't come through the law. And and Paul's bringing that out already. He's, he's going to start here in chapter 2 talking about perhaps the attempts of people to live according to some law and to find their righteousness there. And he's closing those doors throughout this chapter. And he's going to start closing those doors here in chapter two. Our, our guest on, on Friday pointed out that it, at the end of chapter one, Paul continues to talk about they and them. They are without excuse. They know these things. They didn't do them. They deserve God's wrath. And he, he turns a corner here in 2 verse 1 and switches from the third person, talking about they and them, now to the second person, talking mm -hmm. about you. Now now you have no excuse. And so themes of, of judgment, righteousness, God's righteous judgment particularly, is going to, to be a key here in this passage. I'll go ahead and read it for us, Pastor Mize, and we'll, we'll dig right in. Again, we're in Romans chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. Therefore, you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will render to each one according to his works, to those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek. For God shows no partiality. That's our text for today, Romans chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. So again, Pastor Mize, Paul makes this move here from chapter 1 to chapter 2, from them to you, and he says, now you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. That theme of judgment is a big deal here in chapter 2. Is it going to be man's judgment, or is it going to be God's judgment? Help us to unpack this theme of judgment in chapter, these first few verses of chapter 2, Pastor Mize. As we move from chapter 1 into chapter 2, uh, there's almost this shadow of Christ on the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, so, and I say shadow because it's speaking more directly on uh, exhortation. But, you know, Christ says, you have heard it said, but I say unto you. Um, and there's this kind of reversal, uh, although Christ is talking to the same people. Well, the shadow that I, that I saw, that was the first thing that, that I thought of when I was reading through the, uh, I've read through the first five chapters uh, of Romans, and 
that was one thing that that stuck out is well, you have heard it said, "Thou shalt not kill." But I say unto you, uh, anyone who hates his brother has committed murder, um, has already committed murder, I should say. And so here it's well, okay, you have you have seen uh, the condem uh, the condemnation of them. Therefore, you uh, you are no longer. Uh, you 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 no, you no longer can claim ignorance. Uh, you know of of the cost of leading evil lives. Uh, you know the cost of um, uh, of rejecting faith, of, of remaining in a hardened heart. Not only remaining in a hardened heart. Well, hopefully, we'll be able to get to this soon. But it's almost like uh, what a dam does to water uh, that it piles up and piles up and piles up the unrepentant heart. Um, And so you have seen for yourself what it it is to uh, disobey God and to see God's wrath and judgment. Um, Therefore, I say to you, uh, because you have seen them, you have no excuse uh, for every one of you who judges for in passing, uh, for in passing judgment uh, on another, you condemn yourselves because the judge practice, uh, because you the judge practice the very same thing. And I uh, spoke of, of this on a YouTube video, a Bible study that I did for uh, my congregation that we do every every Wednesday. We would do kind of a topical Bible study, and I did this very text. And one of the things that I said is, you know, is it is it okay for Christians to judge? And we can get into that. I sure, certainly hope that, that we that we do. Um, and I, I believe that that it is. I don't I don't see how we could get around not judging. Um, however, judging and being judgmental are very different things, particularly if you are. Uh, participating in the things that you are judging against. Um, it's sort of like, uh, I, I believe in the video I, I used the example of uh, uh, judging prostitutes uh, while engaging in soliciting prostitution. Um, it's, it's, you, you, you are judging while all at the same time uh, being consumed with the same sin, uh, th- therefore, th- you will be judged even more harshly. For you know, you, you know of God's law, and you have seen, and yet uh, you, you pass judgment in order to be righteous amongst men. Uh, and, but God sees our heart, and um, and all, that, that really what it what it does is when we when we judge. When we look at uh, uh, make good discernment and good judgments, we do so through God and through the Holy Spirit in prayer and uh, and even contrition, so that so that we are able to discern rightly and make good judgments. Whereas and and that that's exactly what Christ, what God is or Paul is 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 warning us of. Um, you have seen this. Therefore, if you are to judge, do so 
so that uh, the others shall uh, have their hearts rendered away from stone and and into a heart of flesh and, and to their forgiveness of sins. I'm reading the opposite of of what of what is written here, but um, yeah, that's. Well, I th- well, I think, Pastor Mize, the the key to to what you're what you're saying, one of the excellent points you're making, is is that the move from chapter one to two is that Paul Paul is saying, look, here is the just consequence of sin, the wrath of God being poured out against unrighteousness. Now you've seen it, so if you're going to live in that, well. How are you going to, to judge? And I think I think what Paul's aiming at, and I think this will help us as we consider questions concerning, well, is it is it okay to judge? This is one of the, the things that the world would throw at Christians is you can't judge me. I think one of the things that Paul's aiming at here, and he's he aims at this throughout the book of Romans, is the matter of self-justification or self-judgment. That that somehow I can read the end of Romans chapter one and see that. Well, they deserve the wrath of God, but somehow there's some exception for me in my self-justification, because in some way, shape, or form, what I'm doing is is different. The the sin that, that I'm committing, I've got some kind of excuse for that, because my situation is unique. They they are under God's wrath, but but me and my sin, no, that, that's okay. And it's it's that matter of of self-justification that seems to be really in view for Paul here. As soon as, as soon as I agree that, yes, those people, they, in Romans chapter 1, they are under God's righteous judgment, then all of a sudden I've agreed that God is the judge, and I belong under that judgment too. And so, I mean, and then this starts to get, I think, into that question of, is it okay to judge? Well, the, the question is, what standard are we using when, when a Christian, for example, St. Paul in Romans, <laughs> declares what God says, that's letting God be judge. But when I stand aside and say, well, you deserve God's judgment in your sin, but there's some kind of exception for me, now I'm setting myself as judge, and Paul says, no way, that, that ain't going to fly. Go ahead, Pastor Mize. Well, I think you're, you're exactly right. Um, setting the standard, I think, is... is was the key thing that you said and of course God's law is that standard and and it's also using Christ as a scapegoat in the wrong way you know there's there's uh, understanding Christ as a scapegoat in the right way uh, in that our sins are laid on him and he is sent into the uh, wilderness to to perish on on our behalf and then there's using Christ as a scapegoat so that we can uh, ignore the log in our own eyes so that we can point out the the speck in, in our brother's eye. Uh, I don't think that's the right understanding of judgment, but I think that's what Paul is is talking about. I think that when we uh, when we judge others, uh, we have to, we do so according to the uh, the Ten Commandments and according to the law of God, uh, and we also make judgments based on and. It's, and it, I think that we draw in our minds certain situations and scenarios where, uh, whenever we talk about judging people, uh, we are we see two people sitting together yelling at each other or, or uh, saying you know you, you know you, well because of this this and this you're going to you're going to hell, um, uh, but I have no sin. Well, I mean it, it, it's never it's never really like that. 
um, it's more along the lines of uh, we we can understand we can understand someone who is living in adulterous sin. We can judge that to be a sin. There's because because God says so, and that's that's the standard. And pastors in particular have to make that judgment and and declare that this is God's God's judgment, and uh, you need to repent. If we don't do if we, if we don't do that, or we uh, heed the word to say that pastors aren't allowed to do that, then we we are we end up being antinomians. And or we turn a blind eye to to uh, to to the sin, or uh, we just say, "Well, who am I to judge?" Well, you're the one with with the stole. You're the one with the call. You're the one who who, uh, who studies the standard and uh, who speaks the word of God. And so, yes, we we have to judge. Um, but that doesn't mean that we are judge judgmental in uh, in if, if if we if the pastors participating in adultery and then uh, uh, judging others in adultery, well then worse is the punishment on he. Um, and and here in in verse two. Uh, we know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Uh, do you suppose, old man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourselves, that you will escape God's judgment? You know, right there, it's using it's using Christ as the bad scapegoat to say, well, you are you are doing this, and I am doing this, but. It's okay for me to do this because Jesus. And it's okay for me to sin because I'm still a Christian. Um, it's it's the old uh, love the sin, hate the sinner type uh, uh, nonsense. Um, and, and and so I think it just it, it kind of it kind of mixes everything up for us when we look at. You are under God's judgment. Therefore, uh, you know God's judgment. Therefore, you are not to judge um, under the same sin that you are committing, but to preach to those who are uh, unrepentant and those who are repentant. Then, then, then you are still under God's judgment. But the question is, what is God's judgment for those who repent? Because we we are always judged, and the pastor has to declare the judgment uh, to the penitent as well. And the judgment to the penitent is, you are forgiven for the sake of Christ. And that's still a judgment, just as it is uh, to say, you are committing adultery. Stop. Repent. And hear this judgment that you have been made uh, righteous through faith in Christ Jesus, but upon repentance. Now, I, I think that's that's a very important point, and Paul's going to move us to that precise thing in verses 
4 and 5 that the matter of God's kindness is meant to lead us to repentance. And concerning this this matter of judgment, so if this is what, as we're thinking through this, think about the example of of children in, in the family, and, and brothers in particular. And so some sometimes a, a brother will come to mom and dad with a judgment about another brother. Mom, dad, brothers, brother's up there climbing in a tree, and I'm concerned he might fall. Well, that, that brother's made a judgment, but he's made that judgment for the good of his brother because he, he doesn't want his brother to fall from the tree and break his arm. And, and that, I think, is, is a good example of, or you know, another example, what you're talking about with a pastor who tells someone, um, what you're doing is sin, repent, so that you can hear this good judgment, so you can be saved from, from your sin. This is, but that, that's not what Paul's talking about here. Rather, Paul is talking about a different type of judgment between brothers, and, and this is where this is where mom and dad have, have found out that, that one brother has, oh, I don't know, maybe hasn't made his bed. And, and is saying, you need to make your bed. And, and that, that child of theirs says, yeah, but my brother hasn't made his bed either. Ah, well, now you're judging him not for the sake of helping him, but for the sake of justifying your own sin. And, and that's what Paul is talking about here, is, is the judgment that we would cast upon a brother for the sake of, of justifying ourselves, so that we don't fall into the them of chapter 1, uh, well, look at them. Look at them. Don't look at me. Look at look at them and their sin. Judge that. Don't judge me. And Paul says, as, as soon as you make that move, uh, you've recognized that you do belong under God's judgment, and and He's going to judge you, and it's not going to be not going to be pretty, uh, as as He points out. Rather, and I want to I want to start to to dig into this too, Pastor Mize, what you brought out about about this misuse of Christ's scapegoat. I think it's a a good way of phrasing it. Is is that hey, it, it's okay for me because because Jesus, and, and Paul, Paul has something to say about that in verses four and five. You, you're taking God's kindness as an excuse to sin. Rather, God would have his kindness lead you into repentance. Take us deeper into that, Pastor Mize. Well, uh, going back to an example that, that you used there, um, just for one second, uh, I remember before I was able to drive, I must have been I don't know, fourteen, fifteen, um, and my mom would always, you know, to tell me to do the speed limit. Tell me to do the speed limit, and uh, and always wear your seatbelt and do do X, Y, and Z, and um, and I, and I was of the mind that you keep up with the pack. As long as you're with the pack, you know, you you're not going to get pulled over. Uh, uh, you know, you keep up with the traffic. In other words, uh, she said, "Yes, but but what if the cop pulls you over? Are you going to say, but they were going faster than I was, and the cop, you know, the, the cop is not going to say, oh, okay, well then you can go. Let me go get him. You know, you're the one who has been uh, cited, so to speak, uh, in both senses of of." of that term but I like but I, when you use the example of making the bed that's that's what popped into my mind is uh and in traffic we do it all, all the time um yeah. yell at people for doing the exact same thing that we did yesterday or 10 minutes ago um but that's kind of a a, a silly simple example uh of 
what you fleshed out there uh, in in the text. And um, let's go ahead and read at, you said uh, four and five. Right, uh, yeah. So take us into that matter of, of God's kindness leading to repentance rather than continued sin. Right. Uh, just just to refresh our memory, or do you presume on the on the riches of His kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance, uh, but because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up uh, wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. This is really uh, third use of the law stuff. This is really bit and bridle. And when I teach this type of text, uh, it it really does. I, I teach it in with a mental image of, and maybe this is something that being raised in the South, you kind of, and and in Texas especially. Uh, of a rider and his horse, and uh, we are bit and bridled by faith. And uh, when I say that, we, we can see the language throughout the Gospels of Christ saying, you, you, know, you, "You are no longer a slave to sin," but that doesn't mean that you're not a slave. You're still a slave, but you're a slave to Christ. Um, and when you're a slave to Christ, that means that you are actually free. Um, free in, in, in righteousness. Well, it, 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 being bridled, uh, being bridled, bitten, bridled is the, is kind of, is that same thing. I mean, you 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 are in faith, but you are still but you are still owned. You have been bought by by a price, and that price is Christ's own blood. So you have been bought. You have been uh, bitten, bridled, and it, it's in that pulling of the rein. Uh, that keeps us uh, curbed and guided, and and in that, God is patient, and God uh, does have forbearance with us, and in that kind pulling, and that kind waiting, and 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 repentance, uh, or kind of waiting for that repentance, um, he is he is just and good. It's sort of like David. Uh, I mean, how much how, how much patience did God have for King David in the Psalms? I mean, over and over, not only the the uh, imprecatory Psalms, but I mean, every time that uh, King David was mad at God, he just let him have it, and God heard him and did not strike him down. And then, of course, there's Job, who endured so much. And then God was 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 patient in allowing Satan to uh, attack Job, and then came down with exhortation again. And um, in this, so you you see kind of where where I'm going, that uh, in God's kindness, He is meant to lead us bit and bridle into repentance and to stay both curbed and guided in that uh, lane, so to speak, of a life of repentance and therefore uh, absolution. Repentance and confession, and therefore absolution, forgiveness. And then we see Christ use it as the scapegoat in the correct way. 
I would lay my my hand on that dear head of thine, as that wonderful Lenten hymn tells us. You're listening to Sharper Iron here on Worldwide KFUO. We're going to take a short break, but we will be right back. Please stick around. Hello, I'm Gary Duncan. The COVID-19 pandemic is affecting our routines, vocation, and worship. Recently, you received a mailing about our annual share fundraising event. However, during this unprecedented time, KFUO Radio is postponing our on-air portion of share until June 25th through the 27th. Gifts can still be made through the mail and online, plus those gifts will be matched by this year's matching fund. I know times are tough, but when you are able to bless our ministry, please do so. Opportunities to share the hope that is ours through Jesus Christ increase at times like this. And as a partner, you provide for those in our neighborhoods and around the world to hear the gospel message through KFUO Radio. I pray for you and your safety, and I ask for you to pray for KFUO, our staff, and volunteers during this difficult time. And again, our plans are to move the broadcast dates of our on-air share until June 25th through the 20th. Thank you for listening and supporting KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Each weekday on the Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah, we share and discuss stories of Living Boldly Lutheran. Including missionary updates, mercy work, events and topics applicable to your daily vocations, and maybe some fresh dark roast. The Coffee Hour weekdays at 9 a.m. on KFUO, underwritten by Concordia University, Wisconsin. LCMS Disaster Response and Training provides guidance and counsel to congregations seeking to show mercy to their neighbors before, during, and after disasters. From congregation preparedness to equipping volunteers in our Lutheran Early Response Team training, we can help you engage your community, particularly those who are suffering in any way with the love of Christ. For more information, you can follow us on Facebook, keyword LCMS Disaster Response, or visit our website at lcms.org forward slash disaster. Welcome back to Sharper Iron on this Monday, April 20th. We're looking at Romans chapter 2, verses 1 through 11 with Pastor Gavin Mize of Augustana Evangelical Lutheran Church in Hickory, North Carolina. Pastor Mize, prior to the break, we were looking at the, the proper use of Christ as scapegoat to see God's kindness in giving us Christ to carry our sins to the cross, to bear them away from us completely, and to to use that for repentance, that we might hear the, the precious absolution, your sins are forgiven. The improper use of that, however, as, as Paul describes here, is to presume upon these riches, and instead of receiving Christ for absolution, using him as an excuse to just keep on sinning. And I think it's, it's, an, it's quite the image uh, that Paul uses here in verse 5, and it goes back to one that you brought up earlier, like a dam holds back water. To, to live this way, to just presume upon the riches of God in Christ, is not to store up grace for yourself, but rather it's to store up wrath for yourself 
and and finally on that on that last day the picture again to go with that image of a dam holding back water on the last day what's going to happen is that dam's going to burst and rather than grace being washed over you it will be god's righteous judgment that that washes over it's a it's a rather terrifying image he's got there in verse 5 absolutely and uh i i, I actually live by a dam and um uh, every time i drive by it i i think of 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 the dam when they when they let it down a bit and you can see the, some of the water pouring out into the uh into the river and it and it makes me think of 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 God's you know riches or kind of God's riches but really the the, the cup overflowing that's what it makes me think of and it that's also what gave me the the imagery of the the, the dam uh that also holds that 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 holds our our sin you know if if our hearts are made hardened by our own will not by not as god in in the past has made hearts hardened but as we harden our impenitent hearts uh we are storing up continuous sin uh we are if we are if we harden our hearts in in penitence um then no no sin escapes from that hardness of heart into forgiveness it it just keeps piling and piling and piling and piling uh until eventually not only uh are we not only are we going to be judged when Christ returns and 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 wrath brought down upon us but also in this in this earthly life we lose faith, we will lose faith um that's what the hard, hardness of the heart and the impenitence is uh people who have fallen away from from the church uh those who do not commune those who say i don't need to go to a building i don't need to go be uh, a, a part of this to believe in god as if believe as as if my expression of belief somehow saved me uh really you're you're hardening your heart against hearing god's word and breaking uh the the third and therefore all three of the first commandments uh when we harden our heart in in, in penitence um we further store up the wrath of all sin that we are unrepentant for um it's 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 really strange for us to think of there's that one sin that we're really stubborn about and you know and usually it's it, it is self-justification typically it is and i think that's what paul is is talking about here it's well my you know my brother poked me in the eye so i am righteous and poking him in both of his eyes um and we do that as adults too you know um words cut us and so we cut deeper and then when we're called to it we say yeah but he started it and and we do that as christians uh too and pagans do it as pagans uh, uh the only difference is is that christians no better. Christians have been given the law and seen the judgment 
of the law, of, of, of the law and also have been washed and renewed and seen the judgment through Christ. What, what I call um, that when when God looks at us forensically, that is in in court language, in in judicial language, uh, God the Father looks at us, we the guilty, through the through the blood filled eyes of His Son, and finds us guiltless, and the the, the judgment is innocent. But with a penitent heart, you have you have an impenitent heart and a hard heart. You have forcibly moved Christ out of your out of the 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 sight of God and there there is nothing for us but wrath when we when we remove Christ by our impenitence it's a it's a ter- a terrifying picture there in verse 5 and I I appreciate you bringing out not only is this something that that certainly happens in eternity right I mean the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed but there are consequences within this life as well Paul Paul draws that out in chapter 1 when he talks about God giving people over to these lusts and to these passions and so it's God's again God's kindness is meant for our repentance his patience, his riches are not meant so that we would just continue on in sin, but rather that we would seek Christ in repentance and know that, that he is there, as, as you said, that, that Christ stands in front of, of us so that when God looks at us, he, he sees Christ. And, and the worst thing that we can do is, is in impenitence to move Christ and say, no, go ahead and just, just judge me based on, on my merits. And, and that, that's a terrifying thing. And, and now, or, even, Nepal, I mean, or even worse, that to say, uh, judge me, not only to say judge me on my merits, but judge me because I believe myself righteous because of this man. This man is a worse sinner than I, mm-hmm. which is what Paul is. You know, I, I right. believe myself righteous because I base my, because I, I'm, I mean, look, look at, Look at this guy over here in sackcloth and and ashes. He's far worse than I when I have done so much and given so much and done uh, uh, done better things than them. Even though I'm a sinner, I'm not as much a sinner. Right, exactly. And so, and that that moves us then into verse six, where, right. where Paul returns. He, he says he will render to each one according to his works. So he's he's going to judge you based on your works. He's not going to judge you based on how how much better or worse you were than that guy over there or than that woman over there. He's going to judge you according to your works, not according to your judgments, but according to your works. And those works are to be judged again based on not your standard, but but God's. Start taking us into that second paragraph here verses 6 and following. Well, you better have Jesus. <laughs> that's, right that's it. That's, 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 that's it right there. Uh, if if you're going, if 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 we are going to be judged by our works, we had better have Jesus, uh, because our works are are nothing but filthy filthy rags, um, and uh, and that's why if we're going to point to any one who is sin, we have to point to Christ, who knew no sin but became sin for us. Um, and therefore, our works that we will be judged on um, are the works that uh, are, are the works that the Holy Spirit does through us. In in I mean, after all, penitence c- 
contrition, those are all works of the Holy Spirit. Uh, they're all that, that bring us to that point, to that contrition, to that repentance, um, and reminds us of, of our baptism. Our consciences are led by the Holy Spirit uh, to Christ. So when, so it's, we are not going to be ba- uh, judged based on the works of um, my brother whom I think lives a miserable life uh, or a, uh, and when I say miserable life, I mean a uh, disregarding God life. Um, it's going to be based upon me. He will he will have his, his own judgment, but when God looks at me and my works, I had better have Jesus. My brother over here, who I believe uh, lives a miserable life. Th- there's no difference for him either. He had b- he had better have Jesus and and uh, and the Holy Spirit work in him contrition and and repentance, uh, because if if not, as, like it says in verse six, he will render uh, to each according to his works to those who by patience and well doing seek for glory and honor and immortality. He will give eternal life. If you are about the holy things of God on on uh, this terrestrial plane, um, so you will, so you shall see in the uh, extraterrestrial plane. Uh, in other words, if you taste of the foretaste of the feast to come, you will taste the feast that has come when it comes. <laughs> If if that uh, if if we if we can follow that, and that's why I love that language of a feast of the foretaste to come. It's not it's not mimicking the banquet in heaven. It is a it it literally is a taste of what is in heaven, the feast that is in heaven. That's why the Eucharist, the whole uh, the Holy Supper, um, and and Holy Baptism is literally heaven on earth. Because we are given that foretaste of what we will taste. So in this life, we need to be about those things of the next. To seek, uh, to, to, to live in the wounds of, of Christ. Um, and to be post finger in the side of Jesus Thomas. Uh, and live in the wounds of Christ. And by doing that, seek um, and in, in by pa- through, excuse me, and in that, by patience and in well doing, we seek the glory and honor of of immortality. That He, that's what it says here in the text, will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth and obey the and obey unrighteousness, uh, there will be only wrath and fury so it's not for you to to judge uh eternally it is for god the righteous judge to judge um eternally the the comparison that you you made there to what jesus talks about of seeking the things of god versus seeking the things of man i think is a very helpful one and that i mean notice notice in these verses seven and eight paul doesn't lay out a list of good works or evil works in the sense that he laid out 
that long list of, of things that, that ought not to be done at the end of chapter one. You know, he, he mentions envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness, etc. at the end of chapter one. Here, here when he's describing this, this rendering according to his works, he doesn't lay out the works like that, but the contrast is between seeking glory, honor, immortality, or self-seeking in, in verse eight. And I think you're exactly right to, to, to point us to what Jesus talks about this in Matthew chapter 16, at least is the place where it comes to my mind, right after that great confession of St. Peter, then Jesus says, yeah, for me to be the Christ, the son of God is that I'm going to go suffer, die and rise. Peter says, no, far be it from you. It's never going to happen. And Jesus tells Peter, get behind me, Satan. You've got your mind on the things of man, not on the things of God. And, and here, I mean, I think that's, that's in the background of what Paul's getting at here, that to, to seek after glory, honor, and immortality, that's the one who will be given, God will give to this person eternal life. That's the one who's, who's put his faith in Christ. And, and, and those who are self-seeking, well, they haven't put their faith in Christ crucified. Go ahead. Well, I, I, you're absolutely right. And another example of, of um, I think, that, that, that really hits home for us uh, in, in our uh, humanity and, and humility. Uh, and, you know, Peter is so easy to pick on, but there, there's another example of, of Peter, and we just went through it on Monday, Thursday, uh, when Christ is washing the feet of his disciples, and Peter says, Lord, do you wash my feet? And you re- I mean, that's where you really need the, the Greek text, because, you know, you can read it in English and and read it as you wash my feet as if he doesn't understand what washing feet means but rather uh it's it's almost accusative um are am i neck are you are you really going to wash my feet you you will never wash my feet i should be washing your feet and then jesus says unless i wash you you have you have no part in me and he says, oh, okay, wait, hang on. I see what you're saying. Wash me fully from head to toe. And Christ says, well, you, you, are, you are clean. Uh, you only need to wash your, your feet. That is, and that's so true for the baptized. We are, we are baptized and we are clean, yet our feet need to be uh, uh, washed and washed and washed again in repentance, and uh, and and you know, not 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 all of us need to. We do not need to be washed fully, but we do um, need to repent of of our sins. And when Peter hears those words uh, from Jesus, well, if if I don't wash you, then you aren't clean. He says, "Oh, okay, okay, oh, wait, hang on, I, I misunderstood. Go ahead." <laughs> and and so then then uh, uh, Peter Peter is is would be judged by the works of Christ rather than what his first instinct, which was, "You don't no, don't wash me. I you know uh, I should be washing you. Yeah, but if I don't do this, you know." Um, is that tracking along with 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 what you're saying? Yes, yes, I think so. To to seek after again the the gifts of Christ, that which He gives to you, rather than to self 
to self-seek, to look to look to yourself for this justification by comparing yourself to others and, and judging yourself better than than them. So, Pastor Mize, we've got about just under seven minutes here on the morning. I want to make sure we touch on these final verses. Verses 9 through 11, Paul brings back this, this distinction that he brought up in, in that thesis statement in, in chapter 116 and 17. He talks about the Jew first, also the Greek, that, that this judgment of God is going to fall upon both. And, and that includes the tribulation and distress for those who do evil. It includes the glory, the honor, the peace for those who do good. First on the Jew, then on the Greek. And, and he seem, it seems he's summing up in verse 11, God shows no partiality. Take us into those final verses here. Absolutely. And, and, uh, and we can do this rather quickly because we, we all talk about the Great Commission. The Great Commission um, is, is certainly is great, but it's great because there is something to compare it to. Uh, and we forget that. It's not just great by itself. It's great by comparison. Um, I mean, it is great by itself, but, it's, but it, it is great in comparison to something else. Christ, the first commission um, is not the Great Commission. The first commission is go to the Jews and not the Gentiles. Go first to the Jews. Um, I believe that was the sending out of the 70. Um, go, into the, go to the Jews and, and tell them that the Messiah has come. Uh, and and that, that the cornerstone is here, and they reject the cornerstone. Well, then the cornerstone is broken uh, on the cross of of Calvary. Uh, he is raised from the dead. Then he goes to his disciples and and gives the great commission. Go therefore into ethne, all ethne, which means which is not nations necessarily. Um, but actually Gentiles. Go into the Gentiles. So Christ isn't talking about nations in the sense of lines in the sand, but he's talking about um, Gentiles as all of those who are not Jews. And that's sort of an exclusive club. Either you're a Jew or you're not. So uh, it's not, okay, now you go into... uh, uh, Egypt, and you go into um, uh, this this plot of land, and you go into Hickory, and you go into uh, into Texas. It's it's uh, go to all people, baptizing them and teaching them to to observe uh, to observe all things. And so, simply, that's what that's what is being pointed out. Christ, the Messiah, came for the Jews first. Uh, and then to everyone, to the Gentiles. That's why I preached that uh, uh, during uh, Christmas tide that the Star of Bethlehem was truly the the gospel for the Gentiles. That what led them to the incarnation, what led them to the Christ, um, because their circumcision couldn't. And likewise is that baptism and that teaching and 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 the, the sending out uh, the gospel to the Greek to the Gentile um, that brings us into the fold and therefore when we are brought into the fold uh, God shows no partiality to the to the uh, uncircumcised to the circumcised and the uncircumcised or rather to the uh, but to the circumcised heart. 
uh, and the forgiveness of sins and uh, the belief in the resurrection of the body and a life everlasting. With just under two minutes, Pastor Mize, give us just a brief summary, a bit more. Uh, that was beautiful there. Just a bit more gospel to wrap things up this morning on Romans 2, 1 through 11. Oh, absolutely. Um, for God shows no partiality. And uh, that, what a great comfort that is for, for all of us. Um, that, uh, that, because it really sums up what began in the first of the chapter, that you should not judge yourself based on the sins of others. Uh, for God, for 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 with the same forgiveness that you will be, with the same wrath that will be given, um, so likewise to the penitent, the same forgiveness will be given to both me and my brother, um, uh, who I may, uh, who I'm, who I incorrectly judge. Um, when both of us repent, we are forgiven with the same forgiveness, with the same Savior, with the same blood. Of Christ with the same uh, forgiveness that no partiality is shown, but simply we stand uh, naked and unashamed rather than naked and ashamed, and we stand together in such a way. And we call that the church militant, and soon um, we will enter into the church triumphant, and I'll be there uh, in the same and our judgment will be innocent, and no partiality shall be shown to us. Pastor Gavin Mize is the pastor at Augustana Evangelical Lutheran Church in Hickory, North Carolina, helping us this morning with Romans chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Who are you to judge? You stand under God's judgment the same as your brother. Don't try to compare yourself to him and make yourself righteous. Rather, Take the kindness, the patience of God, lay your hand on Christ, your scapegoat, confess your sins upon him, and stand behind him. Let God see you through his blood, shed for you, and stand righteous in God's sight, not because of your own judgments, but because of God's judgment, innocent you are for the sake of Christ Jesus. I'm your host here on Sharper Iron, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. Thanks for spending the morning with us. Talk to you again tomorrow.